Good morning, everybody. It is Phil Stevens here on Iron Radio. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and professional Thanksgiving cook. So, Ooh. yeah. Nice. I'm sure we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, associate professor at the Kerrigan Institute, uh, instructor at Rocky Mountain University, Walsh University, and still down in South Padre, Texas for a few more days. At a epic kiteboard session yesterday, took Jody out. She did good, and then I rode for a little while in the evening and hit a new jump PR at seventeen and a half feet, which was fun. And then uh, it got dark, so I had to quit. <laughs> You're racking up PRs lately. Yeah, Go my ahead. goal this round was just, you know, how many jumps can I do over ten feet and actually land them? And I did probably like two or three times as many as what I normally did. And I only had two. Really epic crashes. One of them, I, <laughs> oh God, it's probably one of the worst crashes I had. I took off, somehow completely screwed up. And so I'm flying through the air with my board behind me, uh, leading with my face and my left side coming back down from like 10 feet up in the air. And it's one of those crashes where you take, you like, pull, I thought I could pull the kite out and I thought I could save it. And I just made it worse. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you hit the water and you're like, check your ribs, like put your hand up to your face <laughs> to make sure it's not full of blood. And yeah, yeah I, I was fine though. It did, that initial impact, you get that kind of sting and then you're not sure. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm not hurt. Oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And water at speed is a lot harder than you think it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it started it to feel a lot like concrete. So, yeah. Yep. That's one like session that. other than that. Yeah. That's good. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, we didn't do much. We, I've been hanging out, and well, of course we're busy. It's my busy yeah. time of year, so you don't uh, do anything for Black Friday, or nobody sells anything. At, oh, not at all. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Thanksgiving Day is our rest before the uh, madness the storm. Began. Yeah, so it wasn't bad that bad this year. We were all ready to go. So, yeah. what did you do for Turkey Day? Had the family over. Had the in laws over. My brother. Uh, Grandbaby, stuff like that. It was a good time. Sat and watched football a bunch, cooked nice. a bunch of food. So it's my my duty every year is uh, I basically cook all of Thanksgiving. So, oh wow! Uh, my wife loves it. She's like, it's my day off. Make so <laughs> all the main things: the the turkeys and the potatoes and the stuffings and stuff like that. Yeah, so I smoked a couple turkeys. I did those and. Uh, Made all the rest of the stuff the day before, so we just had to eat it up. Yeah, we just had a pretty chill day. Uh, nice. Was that in your uh, your stone ghetto massive smoker outside yeah, I saw pictures one. of? Yeah, man, that thing's amazing. It's the greatest thing. you get ever. enough heat in that, you know, bricks and concrete and stuff. Like, that holds for probably a long time. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about it. So I had yeah. traditional-like smokers before, and, and I decided I built this one temporarily to do a hog roast. We did a pig roast. Oh, that's right. For somebody... Uh, wedding and then i rebuilt it permanently at my house and uh it's the most amazing thing ever it's like why did i wait so long uh because i don't know it probably cost me three hundred dollars to build the thing in total oh that's not bad at all and no and it, it'll hold like two pigs <laughs> so oh, <Jesus. laughs> but uh i mean it's giant like me and you could climb in there and sleep you know, like, <laughs> but uh no, the most amazing thing about it, like uh, traditional smokers, like I, I've done a lot of it before, and you had to wake up every two hours and check the temperature. Yeah. Like this thing, I can chuck it full of wood, close it, 
and just go to sleep for 16. Leave it alone for 16 hours and let Damn, it go. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, so it's amazing because it just it's well, it's like six inches thick of concrete. <laughs> it's very it insulates well. So yeah, that's been the most amazing thing. I don't fire it up that often just because it's so massive. Oh, sure. uh, so probably like four times a year and be like, who has meat they need cooked? <laughs> might as well fill this thing up if I'm firing it up. But uh, no, I do it for the turkeys. And for the turkeys, I just do it kind of like a regular turkey. Uh, it's not like low and slow. I crank that thing up like 400 degrees. Really? Huh. Like a regular turkey. Yeah, I can make that thing hot. Yeah. And then it takes like three hours to do turkeys. And hmm. uh, yeah, it turned out good. Turned out good. What about you guys? Uh, we were down here in South Padre, so it was very nice. Our friends, uh, Rob and Holly, invited a bunch of us over to their place, which was just kind of right across the bay here. And, yeah, it was great. We hung out outside. They're, they have a place right on the water, so hung out on the dock for a while. And, yeah, it was awesome. It was very nice of them. They made food, and we had uh, more like a shrimp boil instead. We didn't have yeah, turkey, which I I could care less about turkey. Yep. Like, even on Thanksgiving, like, if it's the only thing there and it's the only thing I have access to, I will eat it. But I just, I don't know why I don't like turkey. Like, See, I, I think the general consensus is uh, that. It's like turkey, is, it's it's only cooked on Thanksgiving because it's traditional. Yeah. It's like no one's favorite thing. Like, oh, I'm really looking no. forward to that turkey. <laughs> no, and, you know, from a economic standpoint i wish i liked it because man yeah. you could buy a turkey and you did have protein for weeks on end and yeah. it's cheaper than chicken and but yeah. yeah so i was glad they didn't have turkey i didn't miss that they had a bunch of pies go. and yeah it was great we hung out there so man almost about seven came back and watched the vikings win so that was there even more go. better or more yeah. better more amazing <laughs> they're doing they're doing well they had that hiccup a week ago but oh yeah that was well, that happened that was yeah and in some ways like Maybe I'm too much of an optimist. I'm like, but if you're going to have that kind of hiccup, that was probably the game to have it happen yeah. to, right? You know, you kind of yep. – and they had a bunch of key injuries. I think they didn't – well, that happened and probably didn't have enough time to rearrange for them. Yep. And, yeah, they played actually pretty good. Again, it was very, very close game. New England yep. played good, and it was probably came down to the special teams difference. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the game that night or not. I did. Yep. Games. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep, we had nothing better to do, so that's yeah. my interesting thing this time of year. It's it's it, like sports is. I've become like years ago. I was a fanatic fan. Mm. Like it would hurt me if we lost. Yeah, and I've come to the point now where it's like sports is just. It's literally what I feel it should be. It's a a release. It's a, an escape. Yeah, it's an entertainment escape from reality, and. Uh, <laughs> And I think I prefer NFL just because of the strength coach side of me. They're freaks. Oh, totally. And I love watching oh, the freaks. So crazy. It's like, oh, my God, they are, the athletes are so insane in that sport. Yeah. Um, and so I have an appreciation for that. That's why I watch, like, the draft and the combine and things like that. It's to see the, the strength and conditioning side of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, it's become a, a real, like, I'll, I'll listen to the podcast on it and stuff, and it's due to that. It's just I want to get away from reality. You know, it's sport. But, uh, yeah. no, it's a good day. Does good it seem day. to you, like, at least in the NFL, like, the last maybe three or four years, maybe because I've been watching it more closely? I don't watch a lot of the games with the Vikings games, but it just seems like the level of players on most teams is higher, and the amount of outliers, even, like, per team, even, like, teams that 
I'd say record-wise, are not real great. They have some phenomenal players on almost every team yes. now, it seems like. No, and that it's definitely an any given Sunday thing. Like the Yeah, totally. The variance between the best and the worst is not that large. No. Because you're seeing a lot of these teams, like Detroit, who's usually horrible. Yeah. Like, all the games they're losing are within, like, three to six points. Like yeah, it's it's right there. Like, there's yeah. a lot of close games. And, uh, yeah, and that's what we're saying. I mean, it's, like, there's a reason why only one team has ever gone undefeated. Like, you're yeah. going to lose. You know, yeah. even the best teams are going to lose during the season. They're going to have a hiccup, and there's there's very little margin for error in the league. Yes. And I like I think that helped. That's one thing. I think the salary cap, I wish some of the other – I wish baseball would take it up. Yeah, I do because think that does help. It, it's just – because if not, it's always going to be New York, L.A. Like, there's a reason yeah, why those teams always win the Super Bowl because they just buy their way to it. Right. Um, so I think that helped the league. And, you know, there's, the players are still making – for God's sakes, there's people signing half a billion-dollar contracts. They're still making plenty of money. Yeah, like you know, the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just even <laughs> the league out. So, That's uh, without his commercials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He was so, in like every commercial I'd I know. Like, every there he is again. <laughs> he is like the face of the NFL now. And <laughs> I am uh, – like we've become, we've become the patriots over here that everybody hates us now. And really? They hate us because of success. Yeah, it happens. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. like – you know, they get tired. Like they yeah. love him. They loved Patrick Mahomes the first year and when he won the Super Bowl, and now it's like, okay, we got to hate him. (laughs) uh, uh, I don't mind it because for 30 years, you know, for all of my life, plus some, you know, we were a a trash fire. So it's like, it's okay. It's our turn to do well. So, uh, yeah, it's good times, but. And it always seems like the quarterback is going to take the criticism. I can't stand to watch any. Football criticism online. It's just mm-hmm. I, I talked to my buddy Sean Mishka about this years ago, and he's trained a lot of the Vikings. And him and Lauren Landau to me are like the top move, pure movement guys that I know for training. Yeah. Um, and he, we were saying that's like, yeah, it's usually some guy who doesn't even lift, has never played sports, maybe mm-hmm. played football in high school, who's all of a sudden better at coaching than the staff. You know, like yep. one of our coaches has literally coached for 35 years in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Bob on the yeah. couch here is better. <laughs> yep. Oh, we get that. And that's the problem with, like, that we're having now. Like, Kansas City has always had a a very loyal fan base. Mm-hmm. Like, we, when we sucked, we broke the Guinness Book World Record for loudest stadium. You know, so that just says, okay, they got a good fan base. But now, because we're good, we do have a lot of those, like, fair weather fans. Yeah. And you'll see that a lot. Like, we'll lose and they'll be like, fire the whole staff. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, (laughs) hang on, man. Let's not throw, like, we've been to four AFC championships games in a row. Like, you don't just clean the house because they lost. It's going to happen, you know, or he sucks, fire him. And it's like, dude, he's like 100 times better than you'd be. Shut up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, and like I said, we were talking about the salary cap thing. I think that keeps it interesting, too, because you can't have, like, you got to have some just guys on the team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can't have a star-studded cast all the time. So 
Yeah. It, or you have to have people that, you know, so Adam Thielen resigned for the Vikings, and I know that he could have gotten way more if he yes. wanted to go somewhere else. Yeah. But he's like, I want to play here. This is where I grew up. He came from Minnesota, was a D2 guy, was basically a walk-on. Yep. You know, and he's like, I make enough money. He's like, I want to stay here. I was like, well, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. That's it rare. Is. And you I don't, don't see it much anymore. For going somewhere else, but. Exactly. You know, you, you do see that once in a while, which is kind of cool to see. Yes, you do. It's, it's more rare now than ever, but, uh, yeah. it is good to see that. And that's the same thing, like with our tight end, Travis Kelsey's like, I'm going to finish here. I yeah. Go somewhere else, make some more, but, uh, you know, what is 35 million when I'm making 30 million? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have potential to win Super Bowls and get lots of commercial contracts and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good times, but, <sighs> yeah, Tur- Turkey Day. It's a, it's my best, favorite holiday, I think, just because it's, uh, of all the holidays, they can't materialize it aside from food. Yeah, (laughs) there's no like pressure to get big gifts, and it's literally just about getting together and sharing food, breaking bread, chilling. You know, so I have noticed since I watch the football game and a little bit more TV down here. Normally, we just watch anything that's pre-recorded at home, but Black Friday I think started November first. Oh, good lord! Yes, it did. It starts early every year. That crazy. No, it's like early Black Friday sale. And yeah, it was a lot more chill this year. I've seen a change just in, in my client base. Yeah, I bet. Uh, it's, it wasn't a big as, as big of a push this year as normal. And I don't know what that is. But uh, yeah. And like you said, we saw sales earlier in the month more yeah. this year, which was kind of weird. But uh, yeah, I'm not part of that, man. My wife went out yesterday. I was like, I am not going anywhere near stores. It's not oh, happening. No. So, uh, I have we, didn't, we didn't do that. I, I sent a few things to my newsletter list of you know companies I do some affiliate stuff with that I've been doing with for years, who had some pretty crazy sales. So I'm like, yeah, I'll send that out because yeah. if I was a consumer, I'd want to know if protein is thirty percent off, you know, or stuff I'm using. But I don't know. I get a few emails. They're like, aren't you putting your certifications on Black Friday sale? I'm like, nope. nope. They're already. <laughs> Cheap yep. enough as it is. <laughs> yep, exactly. And they're not exactly. even on sale right now, so sorry. I'm, yeah, yeah, I get you there. It's uh, sales. I sales bug me. I know. I have a hard time with it because <laughs> it just means that that's what your product is worth in the first place. Yeah, in my opinion, like, oh, if you're willing to sell it for two hundred dollars less, that means that's really what it's worth to you. So, no, yeah, <laughs> but and. The flip side is I <clears throat> I get why people do it because it does generate more sales. Yes. But I think that's a slippery slope you can run into. So I worked at a medical device for 12 years, and when I was leaving, they ran into this issue where the sales reps, you know, wanted to bump up their quarterly sales, which everything is based on sales and the company income, and it's a public company and all that kind of stuff. So other companies had been doing, you know, buy, you know, 10 defibrillators, get one free or, you know, whatever type of package deal they would have. And so we kind of refused for quite a while, but then they were beating us in sales numbers. So we finally caved in and did it. And wow, for like, you know, a couple quarters, even a year, sales were like monster. Mm -hmm. But then you would see this massive spike at the end of the quarter and then nothing after that. Yeah. Well, of course there's nothing. They they stocked up on their inventory when yep. it was on sale. Yeah. 
And, you know, now they're, the reality is they're probably going to wait and do the same thing again. Yes. They're going to wait for another sale. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and I can see it with material goods somewhat, yeah. especially smaller items. Yeah. Not a service. Like, I just no. don't believe in putting services on sale. It's like, no, this is the I price year round, you know? So, cause you can't like me being on the wholesale end of it. Like if I make you 50 widgets or I make you a thousand widgets, the thousand widgets is much, it's cheaper. Sure. So, you know, these stores stocking up for Black Friday. Oh, we're going to, these were good. So now we're going to buy five million of them. They get them at a lower cost and they can pass that on to you mm-hmm. for a sale. <clears throat> like you can't do that with a service. A service is a service. There's just, right. you know, there's one dude doing something for you or the dude and his five employees or whatever, you know. Right. You can't stock up on, well, I guess you can stock up on cheap labor. It's not legal. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen. But anyway. Yeah. So my idea for the day was, uh, we're going to test Mike versus the experts. Uh-oh. Uh, there's an article in a magazine. I'll just keep the name out of it. It's, it's a very, uh, popular women's fitness magazine. And they had a question and it was the common weightlifting Questions for beginners who are ready to start training heavy. Mm. So I'm going to ask these questions and see how, where Mike lands on it and I'll, I'll chime in too. And it's kind of cheating for me because I know what the, the experts are saying and I just want to see how, how good we feel the experts did. Mm. So, um, our first one here is should I begin my workouts with weights or cardio? Oof. I mean, I <laughs> caveat is there are people that are want to train heavy. So. Oh, they want to train heavy. Okay, got yep. it. I was like, well, it depends on your priority or whether you do it. But if you want to train heavy, then yeah, by all means, prioritize that first. Um, so I would say lift first. If you want to do cardio after, <clears throat> I think you can. Again, my bias, which is definitely splitting hairs and down into the minutia, would be if you can do some. Cardio in the morning, that's my bias, and that's more from a scheduling type thing, get get some movement. People tend to feel a little bit better. But I know schedule-wise, it's not always possible either. Uh, there's some newer data showing that concurrent training, so doing lifting and cardio, probably isn't as detrimental as we thought. And granted, we never really thought it was extremely detrimental. So you don't have to worry too much about that. There's an older study that did use uh, female athletes, if I remember right, and I'm either lift and then do, I think it was 40 to 60% of their VO2 max for 45 minutes or just walk out of the gym. The group that did cardio saw a little bit better in terms of cardiovascular performance, but their power metrics like vertical jump were down. But most people are probably not too worried about that unless you're more on the athletic side. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, definitely lift first. And then if you still want to do some cardio, you can, or you can do it another time during the day. I'd agree. Um, my big one, and this is like that I never understood, was like all the CrossFit gyms that they they would begin it like, okay, here we go, we're gonna do the wad, and they do this big ass chipper, and then the strength training after. I never understand that. <laughs> and that's kind of where this this expert 
landed. He's like, you know, mm. basically do your lifting first because if you're depleted from your cardio session, you'll be sacrificing form, control, balance, and safety when you switch to the weights. Sure. Um, which in an instance like that is where I agree. You know, if you do this grueling cardio thing first. Oh yeah, especially um, like hard, like higher intensity work. Yeah, it's like get the weights in first, and that's I just always lean towards this unless I had somebody that was like a. Like their sport is cardiovascular, mm-hmm. endurance know? athletes, and endurance athletes, things like that. But uh, it's like do the do the heavy, mindful work first, and this is what I had made people do, and then we do some type of mindless sweat work at the end. Like mm-hmm. it's easy, like, and I try and keep that to things like there. There's always a risk of injury, but it's like a one. Yeah, very low. Like, let's wear you out with something at the end that's like just it's mindless hard work that has little to no risk. So, uh, but that's we we end up. It's Jay Cardelio, I think it is, is Mm. said that that's that's where he lands. So, I agree with Jay. Good job, Jay. Free weights or machines for somebody that wants to lift heavy. I mean, I would say if you want to lift heavier i would learn how to do free weights i think you can do some heavier stuff with some machines but the caveat there being some because <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the machine and the design and I mean, we've all used machines that like you feel like you can go heavier and it it feels good you know like five to eight reps you know we're not talking singles on a machine or something uh but then there's other machines that are, man that just feels horrible feels like yeah. your joints are going to get ground to dust um, so I'd say, yeah, definitely, you know, bias more of free weights, you know, bench press, even if you want to sub in trap bar deadlift or if you want to sub in a safety squat. Like, yeah, I think those are all great alternatives that are still free weights that if you know how to use good, good form and good technique that, yeah, you can go relatively heavy and be pretty safe on it. I agree. We always lean towards that. And that's unless there's an injury or something like that. Um, you just get more bang for the buck. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's where Brad Schoenfeld is the person who answered this question, which I'm pretty sure you guys know each other. Yeah, um, Brad last <clears throat> summer when he was here. So, and basically that's where he lands. Those the the compound exercise typically recruit more recruit more muscles than a comparable machine based movement and develop stabilizing muscles and things like that, which are important for functionality i.e. lifting a big, heavy bag of groceries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you just get more bang for the buck. And then he, of course, goes on towards the end there. You just don't entirely throw the machines out. Yeah, Good support. You know, or if you have limitations on certain moves and things like that, it's a good option to get you started. Um, and if I had it, I would honestly use some kind of machine bench to start people out. Sure. Because of that, it like it's the main move. Like, yeah, squats. It's hard to get people to learn them a little bit when they're total beginners. The bench is the one that looks dangerous. It's like the bar is all over the fucking place yeah. and ready to dump <laughs> on their face. And like, like as a coach, that's the one move I got to be right there with my hands, like damn near on down. the bar, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. wrapped around the bar because it shit goes bad fast. Oh um, yeah, they're all over the place, but uh. More so than press. Like, press I don't worry about because people have this tendency to not want to kill themselves. So yeah. they kind of get out of the way of the bar if it's getting ugly. You can't on a bench. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think 
luckily in our lifetime, I think, and I guess this is a lot to do with CrossFit, like free weight, barbell, kettlebell, dumbbell movements have become more in vogue. You know, they've become mm-hmm. more normal than they used to be. You know, we grew up in the age of, uh, I remember my parents joined a Nautilus gym when I was a young oh. lad. And <laughs> they went and walked around to all the machines and, you know, it was uh, the Mike Menser mentality. All you got to do is one set of each move and you're good. Uh, Beyond failure, bro. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they had coaches in the local Y that taught you that. And uh, I will say some of those Nautilus machines are pretty nice, though. But generally, but you uh, know, and if you're training a general population and it's safe, like, yeah, I think you can do that approach and see some changes in bone and muscle. I mean, is it better than nothing? Absolutely. But I'm still biased. If you, if you had the option of a certified good coach in say machine based training or to show you, like, if we could go to your facility and you open it up for us and say, Hey, I'll coach you on. How to do the big three lifts? I'm like, dude, just do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that transfers so much more. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially for people that are, if you have any aspiration of being an athlete or just active in life, beyond marginal, beyond like <laughs> normal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get some weights on your back. Get some pressing overhead. It's you know, it's going to transfer to real life stuff. But so good job, Brad. Know. A front squat is even easier than a back squat. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I rarely teach back squats because front squat is so uncomfortable as it is because the bar is trying to murder you as it is. Like, you don't find a lot of people wanting to go heavier on it. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like almost self-limiting in a way. And you can't, if you're using a semi-clean grip or modified grip or, you know, whatever version, there's only so many places you can go. Like, you can't really get too far out of the path. Yeah, no. I'd say... Maybe 10% of my people that come in, I will try to get them to a back squat on day one, but mm-hmm. we don't start there. And I'd say probably 10% of my kids, it's usually kids that have come in that have never lifted at all. I'd say maybe 10% of them can do a a good back squat on day one. Wow. Most that's, that's usually, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> most usually it's a, I have to do a kettlebell, like a goblet squat sure. or a front squat. And then they learn, if I do a front squat for a month and then I put the bar on their back, they all of a sudden move right. If yeah. I go to back squat right away, they go into some god-awful good morning thing Yep. Um, where, that they don't do on a front squat. And it's, you just can't. Yeah. You know, if you do that on a front squat, you're dumping it. They stay upright. They stay stacked. They move well on a front squat. And they squat lower. Mm, so yes. they can actually hit depth. Um, you put that bar on their back and they want to bend at the hip too much. So, uh, yeah, I definitely say that. And then I don't know. I do, I've not, not had a lot of problems with deadlift. And I don't hmm. know if because. Interesting. I don't know if that's because it was my favorite move and I spent so long dissecting it. So I'm fairly good at coaching it and I can get somebody doing it well in a day usually. I don't know. But I haven't had a lot of problems with that. I, it, I, I've had people pick that up a lot easier than they do a squat. Um, of course, you get those people that, like, the biggest thing with new people is getting them to have a flat back. Mm. They they all want to look like a cat taking a dump. Yep. But uh, I've been able to fix that pretty easily um, in most most people, more so than a squat. So, um, 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I had a handful of people back in the day where <clears throat> they had learned how to uh, deadlift improperly, so that was a little <laughs> trying to unteach them. Yeah, unteach them. them. Yeah, that's harder. And so. a couple of the the dudes, I'm like, all we're doing for six to eight weeks now is double overhand, two inch solid axle deadlifts because yeah. it's really hard for you to get out of position, and by definition, your grip's limiting. You are going to be sub max. Mm-hmm. And amazingly enough, that fixed. A lot of people pretty good, (laughs) even when they switch back. So, yeah. Yeah, I've had a few over the years where I had to do, like, a rack pull type thing. We had to start them, and then we slowly, incrementally go down lower. Go down, yep. Uh, But not a lot. You know, most of them I can get into into a good form and, you know, work from there. So, yeah. Okay, how often, I think that's the next one. Nope, I almost skipped one. How long should I rest between sets? Oh, I mean, I know, I have an idea what the experts are going to say, but my biased opinion is long enough to do the next set in the same quality or rep range you were trying to do. So if you're doing, let's say, heavier, like six to eight reps. And I look for this on programs for clients all the time. And you go to set three, and all of a sudden you get four reps. You either didn't rest long enough, or you have the VO2 max of a field mouse, and you have other issues we need to worry about. Because <laughs> um, it it's an overgeneralization, but... Women in general tend to turn stuff more into circuit training and don't rest long enough. Guys tend to do the opposite. They probably rest a little bit too long and want to go out of the rep range towards the heavier ego lifting part of it. Yeah. Um, And so that's the first question I'll ask. Like, I'll look and they'll be like eight reps, eight reps, four reps. Like, okay, how long did you rest? Well, I rested the same amount. I'm like, yeah, but you probably need a little bit longer. So mm-hmm. my bias is as long as you need to stay within that rep range and you can have a cutoff on that. You know, you could say like, Hey man, if, if you're resting six minutes and you're not a top level power lifter or Olympic weightlifter, then we probably need to do some other conditioning and check your VO2 max because that's, you know, something's, <laughs> something's going on there. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I'm at is long enough to get the job done. And this is also yeah. why I, I'm used to, I just quit prescribing like three sets of 12. Uh, and 30 I, seconds rest. Yeah, yeah, I just started doing, I just started prescribing on my rep work, on my volume work. I just started prescribing total work done. Sure. Like you just need to get this many reps done. And that way it, like, because I always got that question, well, how long do I rest? Well, it fucking depends, man. Yeah. Um, it depends on you and what you're trying to do. And that depends way I could. day even too. Yes. Some days are longer, some days are shorter. When I started just prescribing a dose, like it didn't matter. I was like, no. go by feel. If you want to rest 30 seconds, that's fine. You're going to do 10 sets of three. You know, if you want to rest longer, you might kick it out in two sets of 15. Yeah. You know, it just go by how you feel that day. And, uh, but then, like you said, and this comes down to it depends. Like these are people wanting to start lifting. If you want to be a power right. lifter, sure, rest longer. Um, my big thing is like people would come into my gym, and 
They've been, they've had a powerlifting background. Number one, the thing they noticed was, uh, how expedient our training was. Mm. And they couldn't, they weren't in shape to deal with it. Um, cause we are going heavy, but we're going heavy with not that much rest. Basically, we'd rest. Usually there's like with me, there was say three people training on one rack. We would rest just long enough for that, those people aside from you to go. And then it's okay. You're up. You know, what do you mean? Yeah, it's time to go. Get in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they'd have their ass kicked by the end of the day. And that's like, uh, it's just, you need to be in condition for that. And as a power lifter, I mean, I really like it. And the expert here says three minutes or so, yeah, um, if yeah. you're going heavy and you need to have that. But then as a competitive power lifter or weight lifter, especially in power lifting, um, like the most usual turnaround time from lift to lift in a meet is 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's a trained skill too. Sure. Uh, to yeah, be like, if you're always like used them. to going one minute and then now you have 15 minutes, uh, mm-hmm. you better be ready for that and not be cold and just be ready to go. And a lot of that I think is mental. People just worry about it. Well, what if I'm cold? Uh, you know, if you're kind of used to that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically the expert here, I don't even think it says their name, uh, says three minutes between sets to allow your muscle energy system to recover since you're using heavier weights and fewer reps, five to eight. If you're more concerned with muscle growth or maintaining muscle while dieting, stick to a moderate rep range, eight to 12 reps and rest short periods, about one to two minutes, a 30 second rest good if you're training for muscular endurance, higher reps, lighter weight. Uh, or try supersetting. So, but yeah, and regardless of your workout, don't ignore your rest. You need it mentally. Prepare for the next set and stay focused. But I generally agree with that. I mean, you know, Brad Schoenfeld has <clears throat> published research showing for hypertrophy, longer rest periods were actually better. Um, again, the caveat there being, you know, what population. I think that doesn't mean everybody needs to rest longer. It's yeah. You need to rest, like you said, long enough to get the job done, you know, to make yep. sure your quality of work stays good. We know that the, the hormone hypothesis has been thoroughly busted by now. I mean, I wrote an article for that on TMAG like in 2015 <laughs> or something by now, and I still get hate mail for it. Yeah. You know, that, yes, you know, doing more squats, deadlifts, and yes, using shorter rest periods, you do get more hormonal output, testosterone, growth hormone, et cetera. Do those short spikes really mean anything in terms yeah. of muscle hypertrophy? No. Like, yeah. uh, Dan West has done those studies through Stu Phillips labs. They've been replicated. It's, I, maybe it'll be overturned at some point, but, you know, right now I don't think it makes a, a huge difference. Yeah. I'd say the most usual thing I get, even though I said like a lot of people come in and have a powerlifting background and then they can't hang with us. I'd say the most usual, though, for somebody going from, like, beginner to intermediate is the opposite. It's teaching them, hey, you're getting a little stronger now. You need to rest more. And it's getting them to not go back to the rack in 45 seconds. Oh, sure. You know, and making them realize that rest is good. And especially that with young kids, like I get young athletes, and they are trained, they have been trained their whole life by sport athlete coaches, Mm. that it's always go, 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 go mentality and it's getting them hey sit down for a minute it's okay <laughs> we're like we're literally strength training now we're not training for your sport 
uh, we're just trying to make you stronger. We're just getting the work in. We can take our time, you know, and getting them to rest long enough, like he says in here, to make sure your form's good and things like that. Yes. I, I would rather see, I would rather see your training session take longer and every rep look good than you just rush through it and 56% of your shit looks like shit. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's definitely my caveat of rest is the rest long enough to make things look good, uh, under the, prescribed weights we have but this one's kind of hard uh how often should i increase load i mean what i do in practice is i switched to using rep ranges for online people uh, probably eight years ago now because trying to track percentage of one rep max and all that stuff it's just for 95 percent of people i don't think it's useful um Mm -hmm. So I'd say, okay, pick a load, do your warm-up sets. I don't prescribe any warm-up sets because that'll vary day-to-day, person-to-person, mm-hmm. et cetera, load. You know, what are you doing, a 20-pound preacher curl or a 500-pound deadlift? You know, yeah. you don't need the same warm-ups for them. Yep. And just said, okay, if you're doing trap bar deadlift, 68 rep range, maybe you'll have a two RER, so two reps in reserve or one rep in the reserve, and just warm-up till you hit to that. And let's say you're doing... 315 for eight. Cool. And then let's say you come back, you can do that for three, four, five sets. <clears throat> Next week you come back and you're like, hmm, I don't know, I got 10 reps on my first one and then I got nine reps and nine reps. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you're getting a little bit outside the rep range consistently. So, you know, bump it up, go to 325. Oh, okay. Now I'm back down to six reps again. Cool. Oh. So I just do rep range and that it kind of is an easy way to auto regulate. So once they're they're hitting outside that rep range, then they can bump the weight up, and that drops them back in the rep range again, and just uh, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Generally, I I program light, very Windler esque, I guess. Like we're mm. starting you off, and I've just 100 percent believe in this. Like if we're if we have a plan to go from point A to point B. B being our goal, A being where we exist. I usually start off people well below their ability. Yep. To get a run at that hill. So basically then we can jump weight weekly because we started off below their ability. And then by the time we reach their ability, we're hoping we've surpassed that. So uh, we jump weekly under a well-designed program with the caveat that we started below where they were. Sure. <laughs> So, and then even like my program done, let's say for a power lifter, like, and I think most people think this is crazy. Like we never reach above their current ability. Like, let's say somebody is squatting 405 and we want to hit 500. We're not hitting above 500 or we're not hitting above 405 before we test. Usually we're we might end up doing reps there, but all their time is spent in like the 70 to 90% range. So let's say our top sets then for this training program are, is going to be 365. Yeah. So, and it's just, I found that we can get people a lot stronger that way without ever having to touch their above a max until our test day. So, um, it just depends on how you're training. And that's, opposite i mean if you're doing like conjugate method and things like that you're constantly pushing that envelope but that's usually done for my 
more advanced athletes and things like that, not somebody looking to get started. So, um, but Julia Leduski is the one who answered this. Oh, and nice. Basically, she says if you are able to complete all of the reps in a set with a certain weight and without losing form, you should try to increase weight next time. You do the exercise. Yeah. Of course, at some point you'll hit a wall. If your form breaks, stop and rest, or reevaluate how many reps you should be performing. Um, Leduski says every four to eight weeks, back off and let your body recover for a couple weeks. So, I mean, that's a good answer. I mean, basically, it's it's hard to answer this. Yeah. It, but it's when you own a weight, move up. <laughs> like if 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 a weight has become just routine. You have to at some point increase something, mm-hmm. be it load, load or volume or like we should constantly be. We have to do that. Like I had a client recently that came to me. He's in his sixties, and so let's say he's sixty. Just guessing, sixty minus four, and he came to me. He's like, "Hey, I want you to do a program for me." I was like, "Hey, what have you been doing?" He sends me a PDF of this program. I was like, okay. And it was like, your basic program. Five sets of 10 at 185 on bench, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, how long have you been doing this? He had been doing the same load, same reps, same weight, same everything since college. Over 40 years, he had been doing these same exact. I was like, man, well, good Lord, this guy will stick to anything. So, I mean, it says that he'll stick to it, but, oh, I would be so bored. He had been doing the same workout, same exact, never changed weights, reps, anything. Oh, my God. 40 years. (laughs) So, needless to say, I was like an Einstein of training with the progress we made. He's like, oh, my (laughs) God, I'm making progress like crazy. Uh because he had novel stimulus for the first time in 40 years. Yeah. Um, Did you just do the Costanza principle where you just take everything he wrote down and do the direct opposite? No, we just threw everything out. Like, we're yep. not doing that stuff. <laughs> like, your body, you will get nothing out of those moves. Uh, all inverted rows. <laughs> yep. So, um, I think that's what a lot of people forget, though, is, like, there's more ways to progress than adding load. Oh, yeah. Um, And you need... You know, multiple facets of progress, be it more reps, less time, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's because we can't always add load. And that's where, like, Rip's method is awesome for beginners. Add five sure. pounds a week and then forever. And it's like, yeah, yeah that, that's <laughs> neat until that doesn't work. So, Full theory, bro. <laughs> and, you know, that's where we start, you know, just, the hell, like I said, looking at total volume. Why don't we just worry about – it's a lot easier to go from, like – Okay, you're doing three sets of 10 at 315. Next week, you're doing three sets of 10 at 320. Uh, that doesn't last long. But mm-hmm. if we just go, okay, you're doing 30 reps at 315. Okay, you're doing 32 reps at 315. You're doing 35 reps at 315. Like, you can drag that out much longer. Because, yes, inevitably, they're going to be hitting less per set eventually. But they can still get the total work done without, oh, fuck, I didn't, I only got nine. Well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. All I'm looking for is the total dose. You know, if it takes you longer, I don't care. And, like, people take the while to wrap their heads around that. Like, well, it took me 18 more minutes to do my workout today. Well, yeah, but you did more work. And what is 18 minutes in a 24-hour day? Yeah. You know, you still got more work done uh, in, in a day. 
and that's what I look at as a day. Like, here's your day. Like, if you wanted to do your, if you wanted to drag it out over 10 hours, I don't care. Cause you still, yeah. in that day of your life, you got more work done than you did any other day. So, uh. Well, how many minds have been blown where they're so used to three by 10? Yeah. I saw a solar client once. I'm like, if you, let's say you're doing bench press, you're doing 225, you're doing sets of 10, you do three by 10. You literally add one more set. Oh, hell, I'll let you rest five minutes. Yep. And you get 10 reps again. Like, what did you increase your workload by? Like 25%? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, what? But I won't get better from that. I'm like, so you're telling me you did 25% more high quality work and that you're not going to get, of course you're going to get an adaptation. Yeah. Yep. But it felt relatively easy. I'm like, even better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, how many you were around at the time? When uh, Chad Waterbury's work came out, yeah, yeah, and he did ten sets. Well, why don't we do three sets of ten instead of ten sets of three? Oh, and yeah. like people's heads were exploding. Yeah, <laughs> three, yeah. Oh, but, I remember uh, when I got the Holoquin principles. God, what year was that? Nineteen ninety-seven yeah. or something. Yeah. And I was, you know, all I knew at that time was three by ten. You know, I didn't even know Delorme did that in the back what nineteen forty-seven, I think, or something yeah. like that as a physical therapist for part of a rehab program. And I saw, you know, Polkman had, you know, 10 by three, he had five by five, which was, you know, obviously Bill Starr's stuff, which I didn't know at the time. I remember reading this book going, oh my God, this is the most amazing stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, or this German volume training, 10 sets of 10. Yeah, 10 by holy 10. Holy moly. Yeah, I tried that. That was horrible. Oh, that is horrible. But That's one of those where it's horrible and, Nobody quite figured out that maybe you should ramp up to that. Like, you know, you're doing three <laughs> by ten, and all of a sudden you read something, you're like, ten by ten, that sounds great. And, oh, yeah. oh my God, I was, I was, yeah, that yep. was horrible. It'll wreck you. So. Yeah. It didn't really work that much better either for me. Like, the times I followed it, I didn't really see any really good progress from it, but maybe that was just me. No, nah, it's a good way to make people sore. Oh, I was <laughs> ridiculously sore. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> This one's definitely for you. So oh. what time of day, what is the best time of day to lift weights? The time of day you'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's it. the reality. I mean, yeah. there's there's research showing that, you know, I hate the word optimal, but the optimal time to lift is, you know, like high, mid to late afternoon because of increasing, uh, what is it, testosterone? I don't know what else, but... Again, if you look at that research, like the difference, it's pretty minor. And most of the time they're taking people who are not accustomed to lifting at different times. So I think the results are different if you, you know, if you take a bunch of people and you have them, they're used to lifting in the afternoon, you have them do morning. Like Mm -hmm. in my experience for, you know, several weeks, it'll suck, but eventually their body figures it out and they're, they're, they're pretty good or later evening or afternoon or whatever. So I don't, you know, number one, just, getting it done is going to be far yep. superior than not doing it yep. to unless you're a lead athlete who has to perform at a specific time. I don't think it matters too much, you know, with some other athletes, if I know they have a game in the evening, we might do some more evening sessions. We might try to work that in just so they have experience doing that. Or, yep. you know, some powerlifting meets start super early and depending upon what flight you're in, you know, you might be one of these, guys or gals who lifts in the evening after work and now you've got to do it at you know potentially 9 or 10 a.m. or whatever 
So we're going to have you do some morning sessions, you know, just to try to get you accustomed to that. But I don't know. I think it's just whenever you can get it done. Yeah, I agree. And it, like, number one, it's when you can do it. Yes. Um, what life, you know, forces upon you. And then the other one I'd have you look at is when are you at your best? Like, yep. Try different times. And over time, you're going to figure out, like, I've tried early, early morning training. And I've done it. I did it for numerous years. But I just found out, like, I suck. Like, it, mm-hmm. going in at 5 a.m., I am horrible. And I need time to get up and move around. And, and that definitely got more so as I got stronger. Like, I'm sorry. I don't want to go in and squat 700 pounds at 5 a.m. It ain't <laughs> happening. You know, I'm just in pain Sounds miserable. at that point. And, uh, you know, the expert in here says, studies have found that pumping iron in the PM may get you stronger since levels of cortisol um, are lower in the evening hours. Meanwhile, testosterone, key building for muscles, even in women, also dips as they progresses, but is the highest ratio of cortisol in the evening. Um, but basically, he goes on to say, lift when you feel the best. Some people yeah. perform morning exercise, some people perform evening exercise. Um, with one caveat, as they say, don't avoid vigorous exercise right before bed, because basically it's going to keep you awake usually. So. Yeah. yeah. And I found that one's highly variable, too. Like, for me... I've tried everything in the evening and I used to have to lift in the evening and, you know, I even just doing a heavier session, I wouldn't do much arousal. I mean, shit, I even tried not listening to metal music. I tried everything just to go in and look like I was half asleep, but get quality work done. And even, you know, I, and it would still be three hours before I could get like any decent sleep. Yeah. Um, and I've just found over the years, like similar to you, I've tried morning and I've tried evening and I've had to do all, yeah, all of them. College, I lifted at friggin' 8 p.m. at night, but I'd stay up till three in the morning, you know, yeah. studying when I was doing engineering stuff. And I realized like one to three is like by far my best time. Yeah. And so one of the things when I started doing my own business was my two goals were not set an alarm clock on Monday morning. And my second goal, which was actually higher, was uh, lift whenever I want between 1 and 2 p.m. every day. Mm, so I yeah. just block 1 to 3 off, and, yeah, that was that was so nice. Yeah, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer midday as well. Yeah. I don't prefer late at night. If I can go at midday, um, that's great. Get me a meal in, some moving yep. around, and go. All right, we're going to cook through the rest of these because there's still a lot of them. Do yeah. I need a spotter? Yeah, if you don't want to kill yourself. <laughs> That's the answer, basically. Why would you do not want one, yeah. especially when you just told me you're new. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically what they said. Yeah, if you're doing big, heavy compound moves like squats and benches, yes. I will say as new, yeah. I'll say I did gain something out of not having one for years. I think this, yeah. Especially on squatting that. because I'd back up and was like, okay, fuck, you got to get this or you're dead. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. The whole don't want to die factor really makes you lift better. Yeah. Uh, if you have the right mindset, it could scare the shit out of you. But yeah. uh, but I have days where I know, okay, I'm not going to take this today because I think it's just going to end badly. But uh, and I but you're you're uh, squatting not in a cage per se, right? Because you're in a monolift, right? Yeah, exactly. So and if not, I did set the pins, and I like I've had to done that walk, do that walk of shame numerous times where you get out of the pins and. Things like that. I will say I never got stuck under a bench where I had to do the whole really dump the bar thing. Yeah, I've been lucky. Yeah. I've, well, I've, I've done it a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. But 
Yeah. All right. How long should I feel sore after a workout? I don't know. It's just variable. You shouldn't have to feel sore. I mean, there's some newer data showing that soreness may actually impede rates of hypertrophy. That's still debatable right now. But, you know, I would say you don't have to feel sore. If you feel a little bit sore, that's probably okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going on more than three days, I'd say something's weird. Even two days, I think, if something is odd. And we've all done stupid stuff where I did a calf routine years ago and I was sore for 12 days. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. And like for me, it's if I'm sore the next day, I know I'm in trouble. Because mm. for me, it's the day after that is when I'll be really sore. Oh, interesting. But, so like the 48 um, hour mark. Yeah. And I don't, it's, it's always that way for me. It's like, if I wake up the next day, I'm like, uh oh, I'm pretty sore. That means I know the next day. And then usually it's markedly better on day three. Mm. Um, but I've had times, like you said, where I just did way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think this is, this is one I've preached to people is like, like you just said, soreness is not a, a great indicator of progress. No, it's a horrible it's indicator. Just, it's, yeah, it just sucks. And th- th- then we had a whole industry that turned around on the, you know, like their whole premise of their workouts was to wreck you. And mm-hmm. that became normal with people. So then we had to really fight against that. It's like, it's okay. Like progress is progress. Pain is not progress. It doesn't, I don't care how much your workout hurts you. Yeah. If, if I can consistently make you kick ass in workouts, feel great. And we're able to do more, we're getting somewhere. So, mm-hmm. um, that's what I think people need to gauge their, they need to gauge their progress on actual progress more than how it feels. So, yeah. yeah. Should Would you I say if they're never sore that they may not be pushing it enough? Every yeah, very much. And normally, yeah. And that's what I tell my new people, like when they're brand new, which is where this is torn out, yeah. like going to be sore. Oh yeah. But I don't want, I want mild soreness. Right. If, I'm want crippling. You, if I'm making you fucking hurt, I'm doing too much and you need to tell me because I don't yeah. want that. I want to ease you in. Soreness is going to happen, but I want it to be gone in a day or two to where you can keep going. And yeah. then give it a month or two, and you're just, that's going to be largely gone. Yep. You know? So should I train abs every day? No. <laughs> I don't know why you This guy says, here. like all muscle groups, there's a such thing as too much training. You won't see additional benefits from training abdominal muscles on a daily basis. Um. I will have people do this some, but we do very little. So I don't mind frequency training with abs um, because we'll do very little, and we don't ever do an ab day. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of people I don't. Like on our squat and deadlift days, a lot of times I won't have them do anything because they just did a bunch by yeah. squatting and deadlifting. Um, but uh, if, if I were to have anybody do frequency training on a regular basis, it would be abs. And it would be, like I said, very little, a set or two. Um, because I've found, like, if we had an ab-focused day where we do a shitload of work for them, no matter what training day comes next, it negatively yeah, impacts that. Yeah. Like, even if you're benching and your abs are wrecked, it's going to mm-hmm. negatively impact that. And worse on deadlifts and squats. Oof. So, And I also think ab training is one that people screw up on. I think they do much they don't realize it's just like any other muscle. And at a certain point we need resistance to make further progress. 
and I think they do way too much abdominal work that where they're trying to reach like flexion in the abs. Yeah, way too much rectus work. Instead of realizing that the main job of your core, if we'll put it, is just to stop unwanted movement. So a lot more planks and things like that. Or just standing up and holding like a farmer's carry where you just hold position. Uh, yep. <laughs> things like that. So yeah. okay. I've, I've switched a lot of my ab work to just more offset work. Like even from doing hands-on work on people, like the rectus abdominis is usually way too overused per se. And their internal and external obliques are like non-existent. Yeah. Okay, compound exercises like pull-ups or isolated exercises like rows? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly I mean, what Julia said. So, yeah, yeah. I do find it is hard for women to do pull-ups, but... I think a lot of times that's just technique. And a lot of times if you test their lats, a lot of people are not very good at using their lats. And then when you're doing a pull-up, you're expecting them to start with basically a one RM, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to do a rep with your entire body weight, which is probably a little bit too high to, to start. Yeah. How do I avoid calluses on my hands? Uh, look like a schmuck and wear gloves, which I don't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't think you can avoid them. I would say just take the time to sand them down. I was an idiot for years, and it wasn't until I started doing kettlebell stuff that I I realized calluses, if they get too big, will come off. And yep. uh, that sucks real bad. I pulled a few off doing deadlifts years and years ago. And then someone's like, hey, don't you sand your calluses down? I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it's an article from, I can't remember who it was, uh, RKC on hand care. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's, no, I agree. And I have, like, I'll, it's just keeping care of them. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically what this guy says. And, and basically, he says, also says calluses are extremely beneficial because they can assist your grip. Um, but you still want to keep your hands in check. You know, if you want to wear gloves or wraps for protection that don't interfere with the grip. But he says mainly just, just to keep care of your hands, you know, like moisturize them. And sand down your calluses and like I will trim my calluses but I mm -hmm. am very cognizant to do it right after my deadlift day instead of before because oh hurts. yeah oh it hurts if you do it right before it's like oh that was a bad idea but um yeah I mean calluses are just a mark of the of a lifter or somebody that works hard you know? yeah okay last one here what are the best recovery moves Go eat some food, have some protein, sleep. You know, if you want to add some, you know, breathing techniques, the meditation, you know, ways to chill out, I think that's good. I'm a big fan of recreation. Just go do something different that's light exercise, you know, tennis, golf, learn a sport, go kiteboarding, learn to surf. You know, just have a life. I mean, I like with consults I do with fitness people, and which I know it's not this article, they just need to do recreation and do something else. Yeah. I would say for most people who are learning, it's, you know, what I call like the three basics, you know, food, some type of movement. This might be even cardiovascular exercise and then sleep. Yeah, that was interesting. This was probably the answer that I didn't like the most. And like there is no mention of sleep, food or rest. Oh, weird. Um, none. 
it just says basically this lady goes into on your off days you need to do active recovery ride a bike do this do that walk your dog flexibility work uh yoga foam rolling because these increased circulation assist getting you know blood to the muscles and things like that but and get your heart rate up but i am very much into like more so now than ever like go walk oh totally just and but i mean like you said my main one is to like push people to do something do something physical that has no goal yeah it, like and if it can be fun all the better you know? oh yeah go hike go play basketball go kiteboarding go go do active things go walk without a goal um like go enjoy go somewhere neat and walk around in the woods whatever uh but other than that, yeah, just definitely rest and sleep and uh, food and is going to be your biggest, biggest thing. But, uh, yeah. you know, I've found more and more total rest sucks, like slug rest. No, that doesn't work too well. <laughs> just being active. And, like, I remember when I first started training powerlifters, we would, like, totally take a week off and try to slug out. And I felt worse when I came to the meet. Yeah. So now I have everybody lift way, way light. Like mm-hmm. 40% on their lifts a couple days that week just to keep moving. Um, and they've done better than, than with complete rest. Like their joints feel better and things like that. But, yeah. I mean, <sighs> even in the flex diet cert, I've got a whole section that's recreation versus exercise for neat. Yep. It's a non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Basically, like you said, go walk, do some recreation that by definition is fun and you're yes. not necessarily tracking it. Yes. If you want a step count or whatever, that's cool, but you're not, oh man, I did a slower pace today because I was in the woods yep. on a trail. It's like I don't give a shit. Like and just <laughs> go move and have fun and don't yep. worry about it. And that's a big trap. And I think everybody that gets into fitness, like when they first they're they are not into fitness and they get into it, I fell into that trap early on. Like everything I did was a fucking competition. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go to the grocery store. I'm gonna see how fast I can walk and blah blah blah. Oh, I did. It's like, no, dude, back the fuck off. You know, yeah. you gotta have some time where you're just. You need to get a relationship with exercise and phys- being physical that is just enjoyment. Yeah. Go have fun, and you know, walk your dog, play racquetball, whatever. Find something that's physical outside of lifting that is just you do it for your pure enjoyment, and you're not worried about the outcome. You're, or you're not even, you're not worried about the, like, there is no goal outcome from doing this physical mm. activity. And it's good for your head. It's like, you can't just be at all times of the day. And I think people get wrapped up in this when they first get in lifting. Like everything around their life is focused on that. Like I, I have to eat this. I need to walk this fast. I need to, like, there's nothing. I need to be asleep by nine. Like every fucking thing in their life is a stressor. Pointed yeah. towards the physical being. And it's like, that'll just wear your ass out. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, my whole thing is like, if you want to be the elite of the elite, maybe that might be the way to go. But even with some of those athletes, they run the risk of becoming too fragile. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, because they get so, if anything deviates a little bit, it's like a massive tailspin you have to watch yes. out for. Yep. So even in that case, you can argue, or my argument is that you're just not that fragile. Yes. Right? I've seen elite athletes, and I've seen what they eat for nutrition, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. How? 
the hell do you survive on Cheetos and burgers and do yep. that? I, I don't get it, but you know, so I think to me, the goal is to make you more anti-fragile with exercise, recreation, everything else, so that you can enjoy your life and you can still perform at an extremely high level doing that. And then you don't, aren't worried about you ate two more grains of grains of rice for breakfast or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, at some point, if you're going to step on stage in your underwear, then yeah, those things probably matter to some point towards the end. But yeah, and like I said, recreation. You know, just I, I just feel like a lot of people who only lift are becoming sea slugs. Like there's a whole yep. part of their brain they're just never using, and that doesn't yep. mean that exercise isn't complex and that you don't learn skills. It's just go put yourself in an interactive environment, whether that's yep. kiteboarding, surfing, golf, tennis, play catch with a kid. I don't care. Just yep. do something reactive where you're not controlling everything. Yeah. Yeah, good rounds. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> good times. So well, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, same to and, you. Uh, we'll be back at it next week. So sounds good. Everybody enjoyed it. See you.